This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. When you're a judge in a fraud case who sat through five weeks of testimony, like Judge Engeron presiding over the fraud case against Donald Trump, says to lawyers today in the courtroom two things. Your arguments sound like you're whistling past a graveyard, and I've explained this to you ad nauseum. You know you're not doing well in your trial. Take it from me, a 32-year trial lawyer in Manhattan courtrooms, just like the one I'm going to talk about. This was another terrible day for the Trump defense team, today led by Christopher Keis. Christopher Keis made the argument for the umpteenth time since he's been involved with this case that the statute that the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, is using to go after Donald Trump, a very unique statute called Executive Law 63-12. If you practice in New York, Chris, because he's a Florida lawyer, I get it, I practice in Florida too, but you'd know that there are two really powerful statutory remedies and uh, laws on the books that are unique to the New York Attorney General that other Attorney Generals don't even have, certainly not the one in Florida. One of them is 63-12, persistent fraud and going after fraudulent companies and shutting them down and taking their money and taking any money they made off of fraudulent activity through disgorgement. And the second one is called the Martin Act. Again, unique. It has to do more with usually securities transactions, not applicable here. But with those two barbells, the Attorney General of New York is really, really uh, muscular and robust in their ability to go after fraud in the operation of businesses in New York, which is what you would expect from the city that is the home to the economic capital of the world and Wall Street. Okay, what happened today? Why am I so excited? (laughs) I'm so excited because once again, Chris Keiss and the lawyers there uh, don't know New York law. And it, and it becomes evident, and it's it's maddening and frustrating to Judge Angoron and the New York Attorney General, who do know New York law, to have arguments that were settled, that have been settled law since the New York Attorney General got these powers in 1956. Okay, this is not a new statute. I know people are writing, I'm seeing all sorts of things on the internet. This is a terrible statute for business and what the judge is doing. This statute's been on the book since 1956. Okay, it's like 40 years before I became a lawyer. That's how long, you know, and you learn it in your bar class. When you're studying for the New York bar, you learn about these powers. And so, there, the, the power that I'm talking about is the power of the judge having found intentional fraud, intentional fraud, or fraud in the operation of a business to use what's called disgorgement as a remedy, as part of restitution. What is disgorgement, Popak? Get to the point. Okay, here we go. Damages as money that are paid or awarded by a jury or a judge to compensate for uh, injuries, economic injuries, physical injuries, breach of contract injuries or damages, that type of thing. Disgorgement is different. It is reaching in and clawing back money that somebody obtained through fraudulent means. And whatever the amount they obtained, that's the amount that has to go back generally to the victims, which are the people here of the state of New York. It will go back to the general treasury of New York. So what is the disgorgement fight in the Trump case? It is that he, based on fraudulent 
uh, statements of financial condition, personal balance sheets that he signed and certified were true, but that were cooked, were hyperinflated, were artificially inflated. Numbers were changed in order to do something. Not so he could just look at them like, oh, they were for my personal use, he once said. I'll just look at them. No, he didn't just look at them. He, Eric, Don Jr., Ivanka, Alan Weisselberg, Michael Cohen, and everybody else that worked on the finance side of the or the operational side of Trump organization used Donald Trump's net worth statement of financial condition to to uh, obtain things, obtain deals like the old post office uh, lease being awarded to them in Washington to obtain bank loans at a certain value and at a certain interest rate, to to obtain insurance, same thing, to obtain surety bonds used to finish and complete construction, all based on the fraudulent underpinnings of this financial statement. Therefore, the disgorgement would be the amount of ill-gotten gains. That's what it's called in the term of art in our in our field. Ill-gotten gains is sort of what it sounds like. You weren't supposed to make that money, but you made it on the back of a fraud. And then you calculate how much you would, you know, so the bank wouldn't have loaned you that money. So all the money that you obtained by the bank from the bank, even if you paid it back, is a measure of ill-gotten gains. The insurance that you wouldn't have gotten had you told the truth. The building that you wouldn't have been given in a lease or a transaction, all of that is calculated. And that's the testimony that was going on today in week five of the trial of an expert witness retained by the Office of Attorney General to calculate what would be the disgorgement amount. It's not just simple math because you got to look at the value. You've got to make decisions about how much of that um, he, he would not have been entitled to. Uh, you back that out, and then you're left at the end with a pile of ill-gotten gains, and that's your number. I don't know if it's the $250 million number that Letitia James said at the at the time she filed the case, or if, if based on the evidence now produced and adduced and proven, whether it's a much higher number. It could be multiples of that, plus interest at a very high interest rate. This could easily be a half a billion dollar uh, disgorgement case. The lawyers for Donald Trump hate that. They don't, they don't understand 63-12 and its powers that are given to the attorney general, which include restitution, fines, damages, and the like. They don't understand the power of the judge to support and award remedies under 63-12. And the thing that's the most galling, I'm sure, to the judge is that the settled case law the settled precedent in this area of disgorgement and the ability to do it comes from a case involving Donald Trump, a what we call a reported decision, meaning it's in a book. It's online. You can find it. It's what we call precedent. It has precedential value with a C, okay? And it's the case of Schneiderman versus Trump University. It had another name, but it's basically Trump University, which was shut down by the then Attorney General Eric Schneiderman under 63-12, in which he also sought disgorgement. And the appellate division, first department, which is the first level appellate court that sits over the, the trial court in Manhattan, agreed and basically blessed the ability of the New York attorney general to use disgorgement. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having a consistent nighttime routine is non-negotiable. 
When I don't get enough sleep, trust me, you don't want to be around me the next day. Introducing Beam Dream. You know we've been raving about Beam's Dream Powder. They're healthy hot cocoa for sleep. And today, our listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like sea salt caramel, cinnamon cocoa, and chocolate peanut butter. Better sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. A recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. I've personally tried Beam Dream, and it lived up to the hype. First off, it was delicious, and just a lovely nighttime routine. And secondly, and most importantly, it helped me fall asleep and stay asleep. The next day, I woke up ready and eager to take on all of life's challenges and tasks. Find out why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash legal AF and use code cyber at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash legal AF and use code cyber for up to 50% off. It has been used for the last 50 years or 60 years. But Chris Keis, it's like the first time he ever heard of it. And it's pissing the judge off. I mean, it reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit with John Belushi, where John Belushi is on a talk show and he's in college and this is like the mid-1970s, and they start talking about the first time they ever heard that men landed on the moon. And everybody's talking about where they were in the 60s when the men landed on the moon. And he starts talking about, he was in the cafeteria um, talking to his buddies in, in college, and they're like, wait, stop. When was that? He said, I don't know, like 18 months ago. He says, you, you just learned 15 years after the moon, the moon landing that this happened? He goes, yeah, I don't know where I was before. This is like Chris Keis. I'm sorry that Chris Keis didn't study for the New York bar. I'm sorry that he's a Florida lawyer. I'm a Florida lawyer too. But he doesn't understand the laws here. And he has the only person next to him he can turn to, right, in the courtroom is Alina Haba. And Alina Haba is not a New York lawyer either, even though she likes to play one on television. And she has a rented space in some WeWork uh, rental space that she claims is her office. But if you look online, it's a Regency office rental. She practices in New Jersey, which doesn't have 63-12 on the books. Neither does Florida. And the judge is getting pissed off when the judge uses a New Yorkism that comes from like my grandfather's period, uh, which is you sound like you're whistling uh, in or past the graveyard. That means you know you're about to lose and you're whistling because you're scared and so you're acting like you're not scared by whistling past the graveyard. Like, oh, well, that, that graveyard and all. This is, this is great for a Halloween hot take. <laughs> you're walking by, oh, go, the ghosts and goblins in there and all the dead people. They don't bother me. And you start whistling. That's whistling past the graveyard. And that indicates where the judge's mind is at right now. The judge's mind is at where it was a few days ago when he said in, re in response to an attempt by the lawyers for Donald Trump to move for directed verdict before the, the, the 
prosecutors, the New York Attorney General's case is even over. She's still in the middle of presenting it. Directed verdict. Oh, what? So what's the grounds? The judge said. Oh, Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen. They said, all right. Well, Michael Cohen testified. He's not the only witness here. And there is. And the judge used his hands and and pointed around his courtroom and said, there's enough evidence to fill this courtroom on the fraud case. Uh, I don't need necessarily Michael Cohen's testimony. And they were like, mm, and, like mm, and they sat down. And they moved on. But that's where the head judge's head was at last week. This week, he says to them, you're whistling past the graveyard on the issue of disgorgement because you know it's coming. You know me as the judge. I'm bringing it to you. And you're really worried about it. And you're acting like I don't have that power. You know, so Chris Kai, sort of like my cousin Vinny, should go look it up. You know, he should get somebody to help him and he should go study because he's getting very close to my cousin Vinny where he just doesn't know New York law. And he can't cram it into his head fast enough uh, to do hand-to-hand combat with Judge Angoron, where he's going to lose that fight. So that's what we have so far. The judge basically just saying out loud, again, that there are, I mean, Chris Keis's major argument, just to leave it on this, was, Your Honor, for instance, Deutsche Bank a main lender for the Trump organization, testified that he didn't even look at the statement of financial conditions. And therefore, he just considered Trump to be a good credit risk. And he gave him the money. And the judge said two things. One, I've told you before, Mr. Keis, under 63-12, materiality, reliance, um, all of that doesn't matter. All I got to do here on what I'm, I'm adjudicating as the trier of fact, because there's no jury, is whether there was intentional fraud in in the insurance documents, the financial statements, the books and records of the Trump organization, yes or no. Because the judge already decided there was already persistent fraud under 63-12, which does not require intent in New York. You can accidentally commit persistent fraud is what I'm trying to say. But for the rest of the case, the only difference is you have to show intentional fraud of these six remaining counts. And why is it important? Because the um, the people of the state of New York through the Office of Attorney General are trying to put on enough evidence so that they get all of the remedies they're looking for. They've gotten some, but not all. And what's the all? Just to remind everybody, they want the business certificates of the Trump organization entities canceled. They want the companies dissolved. They want the assets uh uh, marshaled by a receiver and a monitor and sold and liquidated, including all of those buildings. They want Donald Trump removed as a trustee of his own trust. <clears throat> they want a permanent ban on Donald Trump and Alan Weisselberg from ever being an officer or director of a New York corporation again. They want a similar ban on the kids, Ivanka, Eric, and Don Jr., right? They want all of this and the big disgorgement number. And when the judge put it to the, when he granted their summary judgment for the people of the state of New York, and he said to them five weeks ago, do we really need a trial? Can I just get to the other remedies that you're looking for and award them and decide on them? And they said, because they're trying to make a proper appellate record, appeal record, the New York attorney general said, judge, we think we have to put on all the rest of the remaining six fraud counts with intent and, and all the evidence that goes with them. So you have a full record about the um, the remedies that we're seeking. And the judge said, mm, okay, that sounds right. Let's have a trial. And that's why we're in week five of a trial with already a dozen witnesses, thousands of pages of documents brought into evidence. And now the specter of... 
you know, what I call um, uh, tick, 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 boom, which is the kids testifying and Donald Trump testifying. And then that, that really, uh, you know, she probably, the attorney general probably has, I don't know, another week or two. And then she's going to turn this case over to the Trump organization, defense lawyers. Good luck. And then they're going to spend probably, I don't know, another month trying their defense out. Um, and recalling some of these same witnesses like Donald Trump, Alan Weisselberg, the disgraced convicted felon, chief financial officer, Jeff McConney, who cut a deal for immunity, who used to be the controller of the organization. And they, he's, they're going to recall all these witnesses. You, it, does anybody out there think the judge hasn't already made up his mind about this case, given the whistling past the graveyard? There is, you're, you're making arguments ad nauseum. There is a room full of evidence against you. There are there are witnesses that have testified, Mr. Keis, who have said they relied on the on the fraudulent financial statements and that they wouldn't have done a certain transaction without them. Does anybody think he's not already have written a majority of his written order and opinion and it's sitting in his drafts inside of his computer? Who doesn't believe that? I, I, I'm telling you that order is written. He'll, he'll, yes, it'll be tweaked. It'll be added to, um, but he's already got that draft written, and it's just he's just waiting for that for them to shut up and sit down, all the lawyers, and be done with this case and hit print and send on his computer. That's what he's waiting for. And we'll follow it right here on the Midas Touch Network, one place exclusively every day, not just Halloween <laughs> hot takes, just like this one. I do hot takes. I don't know. It seems like eight times a day, at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. We then pull it all together with my two co-anchors. So if you like hot takes, me talking to you, wait till you see me debating stuff with my co-anchors, Karen Friedman Agnifilo. She's a prosecutor. I'm a defense lawyer. We do that whole thing. And then uh, Ben Mysell is civil rights lawyer and litigator. And we do that on Saturdays at 8 p.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the Midas Touch YouTube channel. We get 30, 40,000 people watching us just do the recording. And then we end up top 50 in the world in news uh, related to that. And find out why if you haven't already joined us. Tune in to Legal AF. Yes, the title is what you think. <laughs> that until the next hot take, until my next Legal AF, this is Michael Popak, Halloween night reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.